You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Utah Car Sense. George Roska in for Jeff Miller. Today, I'm Austin Horton. Now, uh, before we go any further, a special birthday shout-out is in order because our producer today, Eric Jensen, you've got a special lady in your life whose birthday it is today. Yes. Uh, Shout-out to my mother, who uh, deeply loves this Foreigner song, I hope. Uh, <laughs> I, it was more of a random guess at this point, but I just wanted to say... Shout out to you, Mom, Jenny Jensen, a Salt Lake City resident, a <laughs> PA native. Uh, she is the reason I am here. So Obviously. Uh, yes. So congrats, Mom. You have given me my work ethic, my drive, my vocabulary of words banned by the FCC <laughs> that I can't use right now, <laughs> and uh, a love of Crown Burger. So I love you very much, Mom, and happy birthday. And uh, a very special choice of a random guess of a foreigner song. That is maybe her favorite or not. Yeah. So happy Definitely. birthday. Happy birthday. Mom Jensen. <laughs> Indeed. Happy 29th birthday to Jenny Jensen. Incredible. Uh, George, nothing nothing wrong with a little uh, uh, love for the moms here on the show? Not at all. I like it. Your mom uh, is back in Romania still, if I'm not mistaken, isn't she? She she's here now. She oh, was she got never here. able to go this year because of the pandemic. Um, they were supposed to go in in April, and and that got changed. And so um, they put it off till next year. So yeah, mom, mom's here. Um, she's uh, she's just home, just uh, hanging out. Awesome. Does she she live with you? No, we live close. Uh, yeah. we're, we're we both live in Sandy, but just uh, just a few uh, streets over. Well, that it's always nice. Uh, I think I for sure take it for granted having my mom both here and close uh, by. And a lot of people aren't as blessed and, and lucky, and so uh, just don't take it for granted. Make sure you, no, you take every opportunity. not at all. It's been, it's been nice having mom uh, closer this year, you know? Especially this year, yep, absolutely. Yep. All right, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, – we started this uh, event, uh, f- event, this uh, segment a few weeks back on the show – uh, we'll get to it here later in the hour. The the car hacks every driver should know about before uh, they, they – uh, well, it says here before they die, which I think is a little macabre. <laughs> we'll just say the 35 car hacks every driver should know about and finish it with uh, there. But I want to talk to you about this incident that took place in Roy. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it's from Deanie Wimmer of both uh, KSL and Desert News. Uh, Roy parents – calling for action after four-year-old was left alone on bus for two hours is the headline. And, and, and that drew me in, obviously. So I, I started reading, and this is unbelievable that this happened. Uh, essentially, their four-year-old uh, son, Miles, uh, they sent him to school up in the Weber School District. Uh, on the bus, he was buckled in and headed off for, for preschool at his elementary. That afternoon, another bus brought him home just like it does every time that he has school to go to. His mom, Janelle Hobart, said, I thought he was at school the entire time, but apparently he wasn't. After dropping off the other students at school, neither the bus driver nor a special education aide spotted Miles before they got off the bus themselves. And for the next two hours, he was left alone on the bus. It wasn't until the driver got back on the bus to make an afternoon run that Miles was discovered. 
But his parents say it wasn't the school or the district that told them what had happened. It was Miles himself. When he got off the bus, we're like, oh, how was school? And he said he had not been to school, his mother said. He said it was hot. He said he went to the jungle. I assume there were maybe some trees nearby, said his father, adding he and his wife call Miles their imaginative child. It's really hard as a parent to know you put your child on a bus with some expectation they'll be taken care of. At least two protocols by the bus driver and the aide were completely ignored and skipped, said the Holberts. According to district policy, the bus driver and the aide are supposed to walk the bus front to back to make sure it's empty and new this year because of COVID-19. Every seat is expected to be cleaned after each route, but it's unclear if that ever happened because the cameras on the bus weren't working. After learning of the incident, the district has launched an internal investigation. It said after reviewing what had occurred, it was determined there was no malicious intent on the part of the employees involved. Uh, But that's not enough for the Holberts, and it's not enough for me either, frankly. They don't want any other parents or any other children to go through this again. They're not necessarily calling for anyone to be fired, but they definitely want this to be something that happened just this one time and never happens again to anybody else. My question to you, George Roska, what should happen in this scenario? Should someone be losing their job or is there more training needed? What, 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 what is your reaction to this story? Um, it's pretty infuriating to read right. um, because this happened to a friend of ours um, a few months ago. Really? Um, mm-hmm. It was a, a friend of our family's. Their daughter was left on the bus. And this is even more scary. I mean, anytime this happens is scary. It's, it's a very, very bad thing to happen, but it was, it was hot out. This child could have died. Um, And we talk about not leaving kids in hot cars on the show all the time and and for good reason. And to hear that this happened, not only didn't they walk the bus to, to check, there's alarms on these buses that are supposed to, to go off if there's somebody on it. And the alarms weren't working. Mm. And I think the schools really need to take a little bit um, deeper look into this because I don't think this is a one-time thing. I don't think this is a twice a thing, you know, that happens. I think this one made it to the media because it was such a egregious uh, failure on the school's part to not only not notify the parents, but to let the child do it. Jeez. I do think somebody should lose their job. I'm with you. Absolutely. Because in... I'm not a proponent. I don't celebrate anyone losing their their gig. It, it, it hurts people that are innocent in, in things like this. Like like if, if the bus driver's kids then uh, suffer because he lost his job, but that that's not their fault. They're innocent in the thing. But this is we're talking about human life at stake here. We're not talking about uh, you know uh, someone left their bologna sandwich on the bus and it got spoiled and the parents are mad. No, they left their son on the bus for multiple hours alone. The, the, as you mentioned in your family friends uh, scenario, that bus had alarms that weren't working. This bus in Roy had no alarms and it didn't, and it had a, a camera system that was inoperative, uh, not working. And even if that were the case, these humans, two of them that are adults, that they're literally their only job is the safe uh, pickup, delivery, and drop-off of these children did not follow any of the protocols. They didn't walk the bus. They didn't clean the bus. Nothing. And the well, fact that-, that no one's losing their job makes me scared, George, 
that this will continue to happen again and again and again. And if, if it takes litigation, whatever it takes, there needs to be someone in power and in authority that steps in and says, we're not doing enough to keep our passengers and our children safe, whether it's that they have to wear a bracelet that gets scanned when they get on and, and scanned when they get off. And until that is cleared off the, the panel in front of the bus driver, he can't get off the bus. Something needs to be done here. Well, there are multiple failures, not only on the bus, there were procedural failures, but what about in the school? Why didn't the teacher enter the attendance report right away so that the parents could be notified their child's not at school? Mm. You know, like what if that child wasn't on the bus, but somehow, God forbid, was kidnapped or right. something had happened to that child and the cameras weren't working, they wouldn't have been able to tell what happened. Suddenly that child is, disappears. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like the whole system failed in this situation. Well, and that's a great point because if there were su if there was more of a uh, direct way for that child to be recorded into the system that day, if beyond the bus when he gets to school, that teacher enters uh, uh, attendance as you said, and you could have the option as a parent to opt in uh, via text message when your child gets recorded as at school, and if you don't get that by a certain time, you call the school and say, "Hey, my child." It was supposed to be marked present. I haven't received that notification. Then yeah. they send an aide to the classroom. Maybe they discover the teacher forgot or was negligent and the kid is there and safe. But if they discover the kid's not there, then they go check the bus. And luckily, thank God above that this child was fine and safe and had no harm come to him. But it could have been, as you mentioned, on a hot day, there could have been tragedy involved here. And I, I hate when I see things that I take as obvious warning signs and obvious uh, get away with a mistake once free cards that then no nothing happens. Well, I hate that it takes actual tragedy to occur before change is implemented. And so I'd yeah. like to see someone step in here, whether it be uh, from the legislature, the governor's office, the school intendant, or all the above. They need to step in here and make sure that this does not happen again ever before we lose a child's life. And that's that's really how I fit. And thank goodness for the Holberts for bringing this to everyone's attention so that we can have a little outrage and make sure our children are better protected. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And no, I'm really glad you brought this up. All right. Uh, let's get back into some uh, other car news out there in the, the car world this week. A, uh, uh, a man impersonating a police officer in Orlando pulled over the wrong person. Now, criminals, George, are not the smartest of people, uh, seeing as they've chosen the line of criminality for their line of work. But this person is in particularly very unlucky as well as not very bright. Castleberry police say Omar Ford, a security guard, pulled over a speeding vehicle he saw while driving home from work. Ford told police he first noticed the BMW pass him along the left lane before he began following the car. He says he saw the vehicle swerving, so he turned on his siren and emergency lights, and the car pulled over. Ford then used his car's PA system to announce, slow down, you're going to hurt yourself, before driving away. The problem, though, it turns out, is that the car he pulled over was an off-duty Orlando police officer <laughs> who then followed him. Because he realized that's not a real police officer car, and if a police officer had pulled you over, they'd stop and check your credentials. Right. 
So uh, they get him pulled over and he gets cited for impersonating a police officer. <laughs> this, it, this reminds me of a time in high school that uh, a buddy of mine had, not even really a buddy, an acquaintance, someone I knew, had picked up at the DI, the Desert Industries, one of those old school police sirens that you'd see in the movies in the 80s that they throw up on the roof of the car that has the magnet or whatever. And it has that little uh, twirly light. They got one of those at a surplus sale or, or a DI or something. And they thought it was fun and games to pull people over in the, in the, when people would leave like parties or something and pretend to be police officers. Uh, and, and then the one time that they were pulling someone over and a cop was behind them. And they, they went and spent a night in jail <laughs> for impersonating police officers. This is, and it also reminds me of the time that Olden Polonies, I believe he was playing for the Jazz at the time, was pretending to be a police officer and pulling people over out on I-15. This is maybe the dumbest thing you could ever do. Do not try to impersonate police officers. If you no. want to be a police officer, they're always hiring. They're always looking for good candidates. Please go apply, get into the academy, and be a good police officer. Don't be a vigilante citizen out there who ha who rents a Halloween costume and pretends to be a police officer. It's dumb. Yeah, we got enough of that going around these days. We don't need any more people uh, trying to uh, pull people over and arrest people. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Uh, okay, this the uh, there's a new collection of cars that's coming to light uh, out there, and that is not news all the time but the owner of this car makes it of this car collection makes it news the inventor of the bounce house which what i didn't i didn't know there was only one person that had ever thought up the idea of a bounce house but uh vanderbrink was his name regeer vanderbrink uh the inventor of the bounce house uh was a secret car enthusiast Bob Regeer stashed away hundreds of cars and a few tractors before sadly passing away in September of last year, and 140 of them are now up for grabs. The massive collection will be sold off by Vanderbrink Auctions on October 24th. He be began collecting cars when he was just 14 years old, buying a 1940 Mercury. He later became a car salesman and then opened a Texaco station in order to be around cars. The gas station made some money allowing Regeer to make offers when cars he liked rolled up in, rolled in for a fill-up. But in 1968, Regeer got the idea to put a cover over a trampoline, debuting his creation at the 1968 Chicago World's Fair. That invention obviously led to financial success, allowing Regeer to further indulge his passion for cars. The uh, collection that he has that is going up for sale is, uh, oh, God, where did this go? Estimated to be worth... Uh, close to the hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's all going uh, on auction. Well, a majority of it's going on auction October 24th. He had a thing for Fords. He's got f over 50 blue oval vehicles that are included in the sale. Uh, a model 1932 Ford. Uh, and uh, includes uh, two rare B400 two-door convertible sedans, uh, and uh, which were originally... Uh, United States Embassy cars in Europe. So a pretty cool eclectic collection that uh, you could get involved in if you have hundreds of millions of dollars. But what really stands out to me from this, George, is all I need is one stupid idea, and I'll never have to work another day in my life, honestly. That's it. I, 
I agree. And I didn't know that only one person had <laughs> um, invented the, the bounce house. I mean, that, wow, just goes to show you. Uh, you just got to think of one thing. So if, if you if you got kids out there, go through all of their toys and, and see how you can improve. Maybe you can throw a canopy over it and become a gazillionaire and own these cars like Bob Regeer. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I just need one idea. That's I, I don't need a lot. I don't ask for a lot. I don't ask for much. But if I could just get some divine invention one time and, and be struck in the brain with, with a, a, a lightning bolt that gives me one stupid stinking idea that I could then capitalize on and take, take advantage of all you suckers out there, I could just be done working. Well, and you'd think, like, okay, you put a tarp <laughs> over a um, trampoline. That's a dumb idea, right? Um, but I feel like almost... Every breakthrough or something that somebody invents, somebody thinks it's a dumb idea or unoriginal or just obvious, right? Right. We just don't think of it. Like, who would have thought that selling shoes over the internet would have worked and Zappos would have made billions of dollars, right? right. That's, you would have thought that was a dumb idea because shoes comes in hundreds of sizes and models and you, that would never work, right? Right. Or Amazon or all. All this stuff, but yeah, there you go. That's all we need is a dumb idea. Speaking of, have you seen the movie Flash of Genius? I think it was, uh, yeah, it says here 2008. It's a docudrama, uh, it stars Greg Kinnear, Lauren Graham. It's about no. it's the true story of a man named Robert Kearns who was a college professor and, and fancied himself as somewhat of an inventor, and he developed the world's first intermittent windshield wiper. And when he did so, he believed my family's going to be set for life. And the, the invention, it, it was a big hit with automakers in 1960s Detroit. But Kearns found himself uh, essentially pushed out of the picture very quickly because the uh, car companies realized they could get rid of him, make this idea seem to be their own, and never have to pay him a penny. And he gets into this years-long legal battle over it. But it's for a car movie... It is, uh, it's a little slow, but it being a true story, it's really well acted, really well written. And I think that it goes to show, it just takes, like we were having some fun with a moment ago, it just takes really one idea. But then when you get that idea, you better protect it with everything you got. Because also, did you ever see the show, oh, what was it called? Uh, It starred uh, Michael Keaton about the McDonald's. The, the, what was that? Oh, yeah. The Founder. I think it's called The Founder. And how he just stole McDonald's from the McDonald's family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he wanted to take it a different direction, and they didn't. And he's like, you know what? I, you can't patent an idea. You can only patent how you implement an idea. Right. Yep. And, 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 and that's where I think a lot of people lose their, lose their money that they had from, from their big idea. Yep. So whether it be bounce houses or uh, windshield wipers... Or, or the the world's first uh, automatic toothbrush. Make sure you patent it and protect it the best the best you possibly can. Okay, uh, we're gonna take a break. Coming up next on Utah Car Sense, we're gonna tell you about uh, this crazy string of car thefts in the Denver area. Also, we'll get back into our weekly segment of the thirty five car hacks every driver should know, and we need to talk about uh, the. Features that were promised in a very, very popular American-made vehicle that are no longer going to be offered. We'll talk about that and more next on Utah Car Sense.
a charger. You're Let's listening to Utah to Car Sense with like Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller inside. Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm thunder on the highway looking bad, bad, bad. I'm Welcome back, Utah Car Sense. Austin like Horton, George Roska here with you from Mark Miller Subaru. And Eric Jensen producing for us today. Last segment, we gave a, a birthday shout-out to uh, Eric's mom. There's also another very special birthday today. A man who I had the absolute honor and privilege of, of meeting a few years back. He turns the ripe old age of 100. His name is Gail Halverson. Does that name strike a chord with, uh, with you, George? Do you happen to know who Gail Halverson is? I do not. Um... I, it sounds a little familiar, but I can't. Yeah, I guarantee you've heard of his story and maybe don't recognize him by name. What about if I told you the candy bomber turns 100 years old today? Yes. Okay. Okay. I know about the candy bomber. I, I, I remember that story. Wow. He is 100? He is 100 years young today. Uh, Gail Halverson, uh, of course, uh, from the famous uh, Berlin Airlift. Uh, he's also called Uncle Wiggly Wings. Because what he would do is he would get, gather donations of candy and chocolate bars and gum from his fellow soldiers and uh, tie little uh, parachutes to these little packages. And as he flew over uh, Berlin in World War II, he'd drop, he'd wiggle his wings so the kids knew it was him. Then he'd come back around and drop the candy and these kids got some chocolate and some candy and some gum. And some of them, in fact, I when I got the privilege to meet Gail a few years back at the Follow the Flag Sunrise uh, Memorial uh, celebration on July 4th, a woman introduced him who happened to have been one of the children that received one of those uh, pieces of gum that he dropped from his plane in Berlin, and she spoke so powerfully about how that one little stick of gum uh, that she, she shared with her brother by you know they they shit they split it up into this tiny into tiny tiny pieces and shared it with as many children as they could right down to the wrapper where some kids were licking the wrapper and she talked about how for two and a half years that was the only treat that she and her brother had because of the war and, and how that saved changed her life and now she's follow, come over to America and become a a citizen and it was so powerful but Gail Halverson a hero, uh, just doing small things like that that turn out to be big-time deals and turns 100 years old today. I just want to make sure we gave a nod and a, and a salute to Gail today. Absolutely. Very cool story. Also, while we're talking about special events, and I know that this is near and dear to the people of Mark Miller Subaru, tomorrow is uh, coming out day uh, for our LGBTQ plus uh, friends in the community and in our families, and uh, just, you know, whether whether you have come out or you have uh, thoughts of maybe coming out or, or not, it's, it's important for us to celebrate uh, love no matter what form it takes. And I know that that matters big time to you guys at Mark Miller Subaru. Absolutely, and well said there. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit more about some car news. There's a, a string of thefts that happened in Denver this past week, which is not that big of a story. I mean, thefts, car thefts happen all the time. But what is a big, what is a different, uh, an extraordinary piece is that this string of car thefts 
led to more strings of thefts using this car that was thieved. A local couple's cars were stolen, and now they are being used to commit other crimes across the metro area. Cameron Coles and his girlfriend thought having both of their cars stolen at once from their gated Rhino parking garage on Monday was a shock. Then they received several videos and messages from friends. Quote, I had somebody spot him yesterday on Federal driving at high rate of speed. I had another person spot him on Peoria. I had someone spot him sitting at McDonald's. Uh, and well, for about five minutes as we're on the phone with authorities, letting them know where they are, he's been seen all around town, Cole said. The cars are both Chevys, one a 2002 Orange Avalanche, the other a black 2007 Trailblazer. There's video of him on camera using my car to steal another car, Cole said. Uh, the, the news station tracked down the video Coles was talking about. Footage captured on Wednesday uh, showed what Cole believed to be two suspects in his black trailblazer that has been stripped of tags and detailing. The footage shows a man grabbing tools out of the trailblazer to pry open another Chevy. This time, uh, but when the passenger door breaks open, the alarm sounds and the perps go running. The police say it's not uh, entirely uncommon to have your car stolen off the street, but it is uncommon to have the car stolen and then used to make other thefts. Usually they, they'll fence that car out, they'll they'll sell it for parts, or they'll trade it for another car before they'll then go on to create or to commit these other crimes. George, we've talked in the past about people who have had their cars stolen. I can't remember, I can't exactly recall if you had had that experience yourself. Have you ever had a car stolen? I've never had a car stolen. Okay. I've had a car broken into and, and had things stolen out of it. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting because you think, yeah, like you said, you steal a car. You don't really want that car to be driving around in it. Um, most car, most stolen cars are parted out or shipped down to Mexico or something to where you never see them again. Yeah. And these guys are out committing other crimes. Ugh, not, not the smartest criminals, but then again, nobody <laughs> ever accused criminals of being smart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of not being very smart, a Volkswagen dealership in Mexico City uh, is in so much hot water that Volkswagen stripped them from their ownership of their vehicles. Oh, they must have done something really bad. They did. German carmaker Volkswagen said it had severed ties with a distributor in Mexico City after a Twitter user posted photographs taken at the business showing a wall decorated with an image of a Nazi celebration of the Beetle car. Oops. Uh, in a statement, Volkswagen's Mexico unit condemned the images from the sales room uh, in the southern neighborhood of uh, Cayacan and stressed its commitment to upholding human dignity. The dealership could not be immediately reached for comment, but it turns out the poster in question uh, is the moment that initially founded in 1930s on orders by Nazi dictator Adolf Hitler to build the people's car. Volkswagen employed slave laborers for the German military effort in World War II, and when they had come out with the Beetle, they, of course, had this big Nazi celebration debuting the vehicle featured in, in this poster. It's a moment captured in this in, in photograph of this beetle featuring swastika symbols, all, all kinds of things. Uh, Volkswagen said whether or not this was uh, just an oversight, well, you know, whether they posted this up on purpose or not doesn't matter. It's a mistake that can't be looked the other way on, and they stripped the Volkswagen dealer 
of their right to sell Volkswagens, uh, George. So, like like you said when we introduced the story, they must have done something really bad. Let's uh, let's pretend for just a moment, even though I think it's extremely far fetched. Let's pretend for just a moment that some office worker or intern that was charged, an interior decorator, just printed off a stock photo and just just saw, oh, this is a Volkswagen Beetle being celebrated by a bunch of people. Let's put it up on the wall and didn't notice that it was the Nazis celebrating it. If that were the case, if this was just a, an error, is this an overstep by Volkswagen to strip the dealership of the right to sell their cars? You know... It's hard to say because you don't really know what the intent was. Um, and I think maybe that's why they they took that really harsh step of stripping them of their of their right to sell Volkswagens. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think it was just I mean, I haven't heard of this story before, so I haven't looked into it too deeply. But um, like you said, it, it's not really this type of thing that's kind of an oversight. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, Volkswagen does have quite the history with with Nazi Germany. I mean, they were started by by the Nazis, but that was long, long time ago. They don't they don't have any connection to it in the present. So to kind of associate that as a retailer, that's that's a huge misstep. And and I can definitely see why Volkswagen would want to take that step of of just stripping their franchise away. Um, and and maybe they did do an investigation to where it, it was. It was intended to to do that, and, and that's why they, they took that, that step. Well, I think what you just pointed out is, is very important. That they, the, the history of Volkswagen, as, as mentioned, started by the Nazis, but no longer having anything at all to do with those ideologies or, or followings. That is why they have to take such a strong step here, even if it, yeah, were, so even if it were an error of oversight uh, or omission rather than commission. You've got to because you're already fighting back uh, against public perception, even though that was coming up on 80 years ago now that World War II ended. uh, You still have those out there that might assign you to those ideologies. And then, of course, you're fighting the whole uh, uh, emissions cheating scandal. Anything that Volkswagen has in negative uh, 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 news right now, they've got to take a strong stance on. And so yeah. I, I I side with them. If this was on purpose, obviously that's yeah. you got to strip them of their ability to sell your vehicle. But if yeah, it turns out it was right. on accident, I still think you got to just given the history of the company. Yeah, I think they're being a little sensitive, but I think Volkswagen would much rather be associated with hippies rather than with Nazis. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well said. They'd rather embrace the '60s slash '70s era. Yes, uh, most the, definitely. The, I don't think I don't think that retailer would have had any problem if they would have put up some hippies with some peace signs up on the wall. <laughs> hey, a very popular minivan here in the United States that has fallen a little bit behind the Honda Odyssey is the Toyota Sienna. And the 2021 model was slated to receive all, all kinds of cool new updates and features, including... Now, a lot of people make fun of this on the Honda Odyssey. It's got a vacuum in the back, right? I think that's fantastic. I, I think it's great. It. I do, too. I especially get my other car because it's not as – obviously, it's really, really, really used. And being our poll question today is least favorite things and favorite things about your cars. I told you my favorite things about the Forester. But my other car is a real beat-up commuter thing. And my favorite thing about that is if it gets dinged or dented or scratched, it's kind of like, eh, oh, well, 
And I love that about my car. But the thing that comes with that is I don't take as good of care of my other car as I do the Forester. And if I had a vacuum installed in that car, I think I'd take better care of it. So you can mock the vacuums in the Honda Odyssey all you want out there. But I think it's a, a pretty cool idea. Well, the Sienna was going to add a vacuum, but they were going to one-up Honda Odyssey by also including a mini-fridge inside the, the Toyota Sienna. Oh, that's fantastic. That is a great idea, right? I think that's terrific yeah. for whether it be the crosstown uh, travel to and from the grocery store, you want to keep the ice cream cold or whatever, or if you're going on a road trip and you want to pack it full of goodies and sandwiches. Whatever the reason being, that's a great idea, I think. Well, not so fast, my little friend. The 2021 Toyota Sienta, Sienna will not be receiving either the vacuum or the mini fridge. Speaking to Roadshow, a Toyota spokesperson said the two features will not be available because of supplier issues. Availability is to be determined, the spokesperson added. But Toyota still plans to begin shipping their 21 Siennas to dealerships by the end of this year. The fridge and vacuum could eventually make their way to the minivan, but the exact timing remains unclear. Uh, and Toyota is not speaking out any further than to say there's been a supplier issue and uh, they're, they're not going to be available right away in the new 2021 Siennas. Well, there you go. Your ice cream is going to be melted, and you won't even be able to vacuum it off the floor. <laughs> you, you'll still get the 10-inch the head-up display, the surround-view camera, leather-trimmed, heated, and ventilated front seats, uh, but uh, you, you get the standard gasoline electric hybrid powertrain, but the fridge and the, and the vacuum, not, not going to happen, at least not for Next now. Next time. Wait for the 2022, sounds like. What? Uh, what? Uh, uh, to have a vacuum we talked about but a fridge unless i have a family traveling with me long distance i'm not sure i need a fridge in my car honestly uh, if, if you got a cold drink you've got the yeti uh cup that you can use and keep it cold that holds the the ice frozen for like 24 hours straight i don't really need a refrigerator running on my battery in my car george I think people are really taking a look that cars are really our, our second homes on wheels. And we want as many features that we had in our homes in our cars now. And this is just that next step towards it. I don't know if I'd really ever use a fridge in my car, <laughs> but it would be kind of neat to have. Like if you have kids, if you've got a you know big family and a minivan and you've got juice bottles and all, you know, trying to keep everybody happy, a nice fridge full of cold drinks certainly uh, sounds wonderful. Right. I, I would be more worried about my gluttonous side coming to light <laughs> by having a you, fridge you, you traveling keep thinking with about me. the ice cream. Uh, ice cream, uh, puddings, uh, uh, you know, chilled raspberry-filled donuts, all kinds Ooh, of things that are, that are not supposed to be consumed uh, very While often. Driving. But that's exactly what I would have in that little fridge. There's not going to be any uh, uh, veggies and fruits. You're not going to find me with baby carrots and dip in my car refrigerator. There's not going to be any hummus or, or avocado spreads. No, we're talking only artificial flavoring and starch-packed, uh, sugar-loaded, uh, uh, GMO-be-damned goods. That's what I need. Austin, I'm, I'm learning so much about you. <laughs> deep fry the deep fries. That's what I need. 
prefer you to... Well, we've got we've got fridges now. We've got vacuums. We've got TVs. We've got internet hotspots. <laughs> All I need is a, a lazy boy. Chairs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the car's going to be more comfortable than my house soon. So I'm just going to live in my car. <laughs> Sell my house and just drive around everywhere. Yep. So if you've been holding out for the uh, Sienna until they had a refrigerator, you're going to be holding out a little while longer. Sorry to break everyone's heart out there. But if you've got a favorite, least favorite thing about your vehicle, call us, 855-340-ZONE. We'd love to hear from you, 855-340-ZONE. George, traditionally the car automobile industry has been a male-dominated industry especially when it comes to the type of jobs like engineering. Well, one uh, woman in the United Kingdom, Astrid Fontaine, believes that COVID is on its way to helping the industry remove barriers for women. Here's, uh, here's her thoughts on it. She says, who do you have in a company that's engineering driven? It's people who have studied science, technology, maths, engineering, and these were subjects in the past that mainly boys tended to study. Dr. Fontaine is a board member at Bentley, the Volkswagen-owned British luxury car maker. She's trying to explain why the senior female executives like her are still a relative rarity in the car industry, even though women make up an increasingly large proportion of the market and in the UK alone own some 35% of all the cars on the road. She's also setting out why she thinks the crisis in the industry sparked by the COVID-19 pandemic may prove to be a catalyst for the creation of a more diverse workforce. During her 25-year career, Dr. Fontaine has spent time at Daimler and Porsche, as Porsche, excuse me, as well as in academia in China and the US. The executive appointments firm Inclusive Boards ranks her as one of the 100 most influential women in the engineering sector. Now at Bentley, as board member in charge of people, digitalization, say that seven times fast, and IT, she finds herself overseeing attempts to build a more inclusive workforce. Last year, there were signs of progress. The company took on 93 trainees, of whom 31 were female, which was a record for the business, but that was before the pandemic took hold. Like other car makers, Bentley was badly affected by the lockdown, forcing it to shut factories in crew for seven weeks and send staff home. It later brought forward plans to lay off 1,000 employees or roughly one-quarter of its total workforce. Yet Dr. Fontaine insists that the cuts involving large numbers of voluntary redundancies will not actually hamper long-term efforts to improve diversity. She thinks the changes in working patterns forced on companies by the crisis could reap significant benefits. And here's how she puts it. Quote, I think what we're seeing here is a change in generations. I think it's rather an opportunity now to look forward. This opportunity to, wor to work remotely, collaborating on digital platforms, it removes any kind of barriers regarding where you are located. It removes the barriers created when, for example, you have to look after children or your family. You can be working from home while doing that as well. So your multitasking opportunities and flexibility increase tenfold. And I think that's why the environment will be so much more diverse. The talent that women bring in the past, maybe they were not willing to bring it forward because they had too many other things that they cared about and wanted to care for. In the past, it was driven by very much by mechanical engineering and design, but now the industry is fully into the topic of electrification and digital digitalization. So you need system developers, skills in social media, 
And in this world of new skills we are looking for, we find a much broader pool of female candidates. Close quote. Your reaction, George, to Dr. Fontaine's thoughts there. Do you agree? Do you think that this, uh, the, the pandemic, though none of us would ever wish for it to have happened, do you think that we can find ways uh, in the, in the, in the uh, meantime or in the immediate to improve the way we handle business? I think we can, and I think we need to. It, it's not just that we have an opportunity to, um, you know, we need to take whatever silver lining comes out of this pandemic and then take every opportunity to improve things. And I think she makes some really, really good points in, in, in her article. And um, I, I welcome the addition of more female, more women in the auto industry. I think it'll only help improve everything. Uh, I, I was telling my wife this the other day, and I don't, this is not a, necessarily a partisan uh, or or uh, an allegiance or, or, or pledge of allegiance to any party of any kind political statement. But I am of the opinion that we need more women in charge of all things because they're, they're just in my opinion, this, this might be sexist towards my own gender, but I think women are better critical thinkers. And I think they're better uh, decision makers. And I think they really weigh things out and are less impulsive, at least in my experience. Uh, and I'm not, I'm, I, I hate to use stereotypes and sweeping blanket broad statements like this. But in my experience, women seem to be more deliberate and uh, uh, critically thinking in their decisions and policymaking than men tend to be. Uh, I, I, it's, it's just in one example Name me a war that was started by a woman, and I'll wait for your your reply. You won't have one. Uh, it's just it didn't happen. And so I think that as we turn it back now to the car talk, to have a Dr. Fontaine who uh, says later in this article, by the way, that she found the opposite true, that it wasn't that hard for her to climb the, the corporate ladder and get up there, but she says she was simply lucky as the standard – or excuse me, the stats – uh, and history would tell us it is harder for a woman to climb the corporate ladder. And whether or not they choose to be a stay-at-home mom, whether or not they choose to have a family, I don't think is relative. I think that it's this idea that there are barriers placed by history that just simply need to be done away with. And maybe it takes a global pandemic for us to finally strip away our biases and prejudices in that way and in that regard. And I know for a fact there at Mark Miller Subaru, Jeff, or excuse me, George, you guys, there, there's, no, there's no barriers. There's no uh, obstacles for women or men of any kind or any following or any religion or creed uh, or orientation to get by. You're a completely equal opportunity employer over there. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we, we encourage and we're always looking for, for more women to join the team. Um, whether in sales, um, service, um, like you said, Jeff really wants to make it to, to where it's, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, if you're qualified, if you're passionate about the job, if this is what you want to do, we want you here. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, let's talk about some 35 car hacks. Every car, every driver should know about. We've told you the, the first few about what to do if your car handle gets frozen uh, the myth about using plungers to remove dents, the penny trick to check the tires, all those kinds of things, increasing the range of your key fob by putting the fob up to your head. Let's continue on, though. Have you heard about the toothpaste trick, George? Have you heard about Have Has anyone told you about that one? 
You'll have to give me a little more detail, and maybe I'll, I'll know what you're talking about. So yellowed... I typically don't put toothpaste on my car. <laughs> typically not a good idea. Have you heard about yellowed or foggy headlights being fixed with toothpaste? Okay, yes, I have heard of that, and uh, I think it works because of Do how you? abrasive the toothpaste is. So, and that was my question, because I've heard of this in the past, but I've never seen it done before. Uh, last time when we talked about the plunger dent fix, I've tried that and it didn't work. Uh, but maybe the dent was just too big. I, I don't know. But I've never tried the foggy headlight toothpaste fix, where essentially you rub the toothpaste into the headlight with a soft cloth, you let it sit there for a minute, and then you uh, rub it in until it's gone, and it is supposed to lift the fog off the headlight. I'd like to try this and see if it actually works or if this is internet uh, legend. It, it does work. I've seen it. You need a, an abrasive pad as well, because that's really the key is that gunk, that road gunk, salt, you know, dirt, everything that just gets over time kind of caked on on those um, on that plastic piece, that toothpaste. And if you just take you don't want to use like sandpaper or anything, but just something a little abrasive, just kind of gently, you know, kind of scrub. And yeah, it, it, it'll come off in time. Now, this is something I didn't know about. Sometimes I, I've seen it before and thought, oh, that's weird. But on many, many cars, uh, it's, it's you know, we rely on, obviously, power locks and power doors now. But some have a manual lock still that people may not realize. So if, you're, if your power lock is not working, you can still try and check this to see if you can get in your car. And it's by the uh, the end of the car, the, the door handle. Underneath, there's this little rectangle plastic piece. And if you take that off, you're supposed to be able to put your key up into that uh, section, and it will unlock the door that way. Have you heard of this? Yeah, I have. Um, a lot of people don't know about this or, or that their key fob even has a small key hidden in it. Um, there's usually just a little button you press and, and a key will slide out, but there's, yeah, that small plastic piece, it's, it's very well hidden. So most people don't even know it's there. Um, you can pop that off and then you have a place to actually insert an, an old fashioned manual, like lock in, in there. All right. This next hack is, seems obvious, but I've never thought of it before. So maybe it's not obvious for our friends who park outdoors in winter, whether it be at work or at home. You might find that your windshield wipers get frozen to the windshield from time to time. Well, they suggest putting an old pair of soccer socks on your windshield wipers, and uh, it'll keep it warm and dry, and then you just take those soccer socks off, and the windshield wipers are ready to go. Now, your car might look silly sitting out there in the parking lot, but I see all the time, George, I see people leaving their windshield wipers up uh, wow. when, when there's blowing freezes or, or snows. And so that it won't uh, freeze to the windshield. I've always been afraid to do that just because I'm a paranoid freak who thinks something might go flying through the parking lot and sever my windshield <laughs> wiper right off the windshield. This seems to be a better solution. Well, I've never heard of this, of putting <laughs> a pair of socks over them. I'm the guy who does stick them up, you know, up in the air so they don't freeze to your windshield. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. when you when you, when you turn them on, it rips apart your whole wiper. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I've never been worried about things just breaking them off. I guess I should be a little more. You know how we were talking about your your missed opportunity earlier with the bouncy houses? Yes. This is your opportunity, Austin. <laughs> Let's make windshield wiper cozies and sell them. That's, not, that's a terrible idea that will make us millions. 
Yes, what and that somebody's is. gonna do it. We're gonna give somebody the idea. We're gonna think it's dumb, <laughs> and then we're gonna be uh, really upset when they're gonna be sitting on a beach, retired in a couple of years, and we're uh, still doing the show. Yeah. All right, and then our final hack for the week. I don't know if I buy this. You tell me if you think so. It is saying that speed limits and traffic lights are coordinated together so that if you follow the speed limit to a T, you will hit significantly less red lights on your commutes, no matter where you're driving. I don't know if I buy that, George. I don't know if that's 100% the truth. I think it depends where you live, right? I think some cities have invested in some smart um, technology as far as managing their their uh, streetlights and things like that. I, I have seen some around Salt Lake. I think Bangor is like that, to where if, if you are driving the speed limit, um, it, it does tend to time it with the with the traffic lights. Now, I don't think it's you know, 100%. Obviously, it depends where you are in the traffic flow. But one thing I know that we do here in Utah, too, that uh, we we time the yellow light uh, with the speed limit so that, let's say, like the the speed limit's 40, um, it it has less of a yellow than if the speed limit's 60. So I know that there's some things like that, but uh, yeah. that would be cool if, if more cities did that. It would encourage people to go the speed limit. You get you get there faster. Yeah. All right, George, that's going to do it this week on Utah Car Sense. Our thanks to Alex Kuhn for uh, joining us in the first hour and thanks to you george uh, it's always good to have you absolutely thank you for hosting and it was a great show great to talk to everyone and uh, we'll do it again soon he's george roska for alex jensen behind the glass i'm austin horton coming up next your cougar pregame show byu pregame show with hans olsen will snowden and team not sure who will be joining them but it's next right here on the zone